Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, this week at Beeson Divinity School has been Chris and Elizabeth Baker week. Chris and Elizabeth Baker are dear friends of our school. Chris is a graduate of Beeson, finished his MDiv in 2010. Elizabeth was a member of our staff working as the administrative assistant in the office of the associate dean for a number of years. And we just kind of fell in love with them and their family. They have three beautiful children. And they're here. This is one of their really last visits probably to Beeson before they take off on a great adventure in their life to go as missionaries really all the way to the other side of the world, to Madagascar. We want to talk about that a little bit. But first of all, Chris and Elizabeth, welcome to the Beeson Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, why don't we begin by you saying a little bit about yourselves, because you grew up in very different circumstances and kind of your background, how you met and all that stuff. I grew up in North Florida, a little city called Lake City. Um, parents moved to Atlanta in 1989 when I was a, a young kid. Walked down the aisle when I was seven at, at my you know, home church in Florida, but struggled with the, the fact that I really didn't have a relationship with Christ. At 14, I realized I wasn't saved, but it took until 21 for me to come to have a saving knowledge in Christ. And what was funny is uh, within two months of uh, submitting myself to his lordship, I met Elizabeth. Wow. So. And I grew up um, overseas. My parents were missionaries to Yemen. My father was a doctor at the local hospital in Jibla, Yemen. Stayed there until I was 10 years old, moved back in 1989, and grew up in a Christian home, grew up in missions, watched my family, my parents um, serve the Lord through the Yemenis, the Muslims there in in Yemen. And so I became a Christian when I was little um, on our first furlough, but uh, the Lord really stretched my faith and and worked on me while I experienced a lot of culture shock when I came back to the the United States. (laughs) And of course, Chris and I met uh, along the road, so... As as long as I've known you all, you've had this this passion in your heart uh, to serve Jesus Christ uh, in a cross cultural situation, and that's borne fruit now in this calling that's imminent uh, for you to leave this country and go to another people. Now, along the way, God blessed you with three beautiful children: yes. Michael, who is ten. And you have also a beautiful daughter, Lydia, who is seven, and little Lucas, who is almost two, I think, right? Yes, he is. Now, Michael's here in the studio for a few minutes, and I want to ask him a question. And I've known Michael since he's been just a little tiny fellow when we used to come by my office. You remember that, Michael? Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I want to ask you a question because you're getting ready to go with your family, uh, your sister, your brother, and your parents uh, to a country really far away from where you've lived for all your life. And I wonder how you hope as a missionary kid to be able to share the gospel of Jesus with the Malagasy people. Well, one of the ways I can do this is like during during soccer, since they really like soccer, um, when we have like a break or something, I can I can tell them about Jesus, and also I can get them to trust me, and I can tell them like that because I know they trust me. 
Fabulous. That's a great answer, Michael. And I know you're going to be a wonderful witness for Jesus there uh, in Madagascar. Now, let's get to this idea of how you received a calling to the Madagascar. Well, Madagascar is located about 250 miles off the southeast coast of Africa. It's the world's fourth largest island and um, kind of a little world unto itself. It's, it's a very unique place, unlike any other place on Earth. And as far as our calling to Madagascar, when Elizabeth and I were dating, um, I, had, I had always known I was called into the ministry in some way or another since I was very young, even before. Before I was saved, I kind of knew that was where I was going to go. And and Elizabeth had been in missions. And when I met Elizabeth and heard about what her parents had done, and we started talking about, you know, what life would be like or what our future would hold, this passion or this fire for, for missions really kind of grew up in me. And, and I can't say that it was there before. I never really considered the idea of being on the field, but somehow through that interaction, God sparked this. And the only way I can say it is a fire mm. inside of me for this, mm. this type of ministry. It's, it's all I can see us doing. And Elizabeth had always felt called to missions. She has been to China before to do uh, ESL when she was in college and mm. has always had a heart for um, other people. And so it was just a match made in heaven, as it were, that uh, <laughs> he put us together and that he called us to this. As far as Africa goes, that was something that happened um, while we were here at Beeson. We began to seek, you know, exactly where we were supposed to go and what we were supposed to do. And over time of prayer and, and little clues here and there, God led us to... Um, to want to go to Africa to um, witness to Muslims in the African context. And uh, when we got the opportunity with African Inland Mission uh, to see what opportunities were out there for us to uh, go and be a part of, the one in Madagascar just took our hearts, and, and that's how we ended up with uh, this appointment to Madagascar. Now, you mentioned the Africa Inland Mission, and I want you to say a little bit more about that because that's the mission agency that you're affiliated with in this uh, mission to, to Africa. What is the Africa Inland Mission? Um, Africa Inland Mission is an almost 120-year-old uh, interdenominational faith-based missions organization that uh, started out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is now currently headquartered in Peachtree City, uh, Georgia, and their stated goal is to raise up Christ-centered churches among all African peoples, mm. not nations, but peoples. So um, they go only to unreached people groups and only to places where there are people who have never heard the gospel. When we were getting ready to leave here from Beeson to, uh, to graduate, we started asking God exactly which organization he would have us go with. And over like a three-week period, uh, this organization that we had never heard about before, Africa Inland Mission, just seemed to pop out of every crack and crevice of our life. And so uh, we looked into it. We find that we found that we shared their ideas and their uh, philosophy of ministry and that uh, that was where we felt God had led us. And you know, through the year, the years of us trying to um, make this uh, calling a reality. AIM has always been there with us to uh, to help us move forward and and prepare for the field. So, now I want you both to answer this question because I think your experiences were similar but not identical when you were at Beeson. So, what role would you say Beeson has played in this realization of your calling, your vocation? 
Well, just being a part of the faculty and the staff here at Beeson really molded me as a Christian. And just being exposed to everyone's walk of faith was incredible for me. It became a family to me. And um, so just receiving encouragement as we were, as a young couple, we had just gotten married, just walking us through life in general. You were here with us when we had our first child and then our second child. Mm, and and I so, <laughs> And so it was such a blessing to us. The Global Center was a really pivotal part for us with Beeson Divinity School that struck our, our attention when we, when we moved here to learn more about Beeson. And we liked the aspect that it was a mission-minded seminary, bringing all kinds of denominations together. We really liked that. And so our goal was to go into international missions the entire time. And we had people like Sandy Brinson, mm-hmm. um, who was a mentor to me, Leanne Little, a mentor to me. Um, now, now, we all know and love Sandy <laughs> and Leanne, but in case there's some listeners who don't know who yes. those wonderful people are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sandy was the receptionist um, and just full of sunshine. Uh, Michael used to call her the nurse of the soul. <laughs> One day um, he asked me, he said, Mom, why are all the uh, these people doctors here? And I said, well, like Grandpa is a doctor of medicine. Dr. George is a doctor of the soul. And he said, well, does that mean that Sandy Brinson is a nurse of the soul? And I said, that's absolutely right. So that was more than one sentence, but that's great. <laughs> you can't describe Sandy in one sentence. Um, and Leanne, she is your, your administrative assistant, and we worked very close together and just hit it off perfectly. Um, we were a good team, and we just pretty much knew what each other was thinking at the time. And so yeah. um, they helped walk me through. And of course, Dr. House, um, Helped me. He mentored me. Uh, he was our associate always... dean at that time, and with whom right. you worked in right, that exactly. office. Now, I never had you as a student. I knew you were very well, <laughs> and work. I worked together in the office of the dean. But I did have Chris as a student in one course. Anyway, say a little bit about your experience at Beeson and some of the faculty. I told him he could say anything bad about me he wanted to. <laughs> we'll splice it out. But uh, what was how was Beeson shaping for you? I mean, I I could pretty much say that I wouldn't be the person I am today without Beeson. We came to Beeson because we come from a Southern Baptist background, and we chose Beeson because it was a place where we would get to meet and become friends with and and deal with other denominations, other um, doctrinal backgrounds. And it was a, a great time for me. I kind of felt when I walked in the door, like I had been sheltered all this time. Like, mm-hmm. who is this Calvin guy and who is this Luther guy? We we didn't really get that, you know, growing up in Southern Baptist churches. So it, Beeson really introduced me to the world of, you know, uh, the reformers of Christian thought that there was so much more to uh, what it meant to be a part of God's church in the world than what I had been exposed to, especially the requirement that Beeson had for you to do cross-cultural ministry. Mm really gave me a feeling of confidence that this really was what God had called me to. I spent uh, three weeks in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, in a place called San Francisco de Conji, doing a cross-cultural ministry immersion. And it was really a time uh, where I discovered that you know, this really was where my heart was. It wasn't just something that God, uh, I thought God had called me to, but rather something that he had made me for. And so 
um, through the faculty, um, amazing work in New Testament from Dr. Sidney Park, Dr. Sellis, who was in charge of the mm-hmm. Global Center at the time, who was uh, the missions professor. He really helped me to see the bigger picture of global Christianity. Just a lot of other people here that really helped me to grow and blossom and see that uh, the God had more for me and more for his church than I'd ever imagined. And I would not be the same person I am today, not only ministerially, but as a, as a husband, as a father, if I had not come to Beeson uh, when I did and learned what I did. Wonderful. You know, Ralph Beeson, who's the great founding benefactor of our school, we honor him and we're named for him and his father, John Wesley Beeson. He he made three requests of our school when we started. He wanted our school to be evangelical, committed to the gospel. He wanted our school also to be a school that would focus on proclamation, training pastors who can preach was his way of putting it. And he wanted us to have a vision for the whole world to be committed to the World Christian Mission. His aunt had been a missionary to China. And so this was deeply rooted in his personal DNA, and he wanted our school to reflect that. And so the Global Center grew out of that, and the calling forth of wonderful students and folks like the two of you who are carrying the message of Jesus Christ. We have Beeson students serving on every continent on earth now. So you're going to add to that number when you get to Madagascar. Now, I want to ask you a question that must you must have thought about this, and you must have been asked this question a lot. You are still relatively young. I'm not, I don't know how old you are, but you, you're not babies. But, but you have babies. You, you have three beautiful children. You have a wonderful family. You're going into a place in the world that's very different culturally from where you've lived, and that is not without some danger associated with it in terms of geopolitics. When you think about taking your family into that kind of situation, your, your three beautiful children and yourselves as a family, what do you think about that? That is something that has resonated in my walk with God daily since we first found out that we were having Michael. It frightens me at first, and at that point in time, I actually questioned whether or not God uh, wanted us to continue on in this journey and, and preparing to go into the mission field because... I was an MK, Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew the struggles that I had. I was born into a mission family. Michael and Lydia are not. They're going, and they're already established. They're already old enough to know the difference between the two different cultures. And so this has been a prayer for me. God has brought me down to my knees and asked me where my heart is. You know, am I going to have a divided heart? Is it going to be family, or is it going to be me? And so I chose God um, because I knew, and a verse of scripture that has really helped me is reminding me, uh, it's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, reminding me that um, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of faith, and that we are to fix our eyes on him, and he's going to make that path way, and uh, and he's going to protect our family. And so just the thought of Having the children, I'm excited for them and at the same time because they are going to be introduced to a new culture, something that's completely different from Western culture. They get to see, they get to have their, um, their minds broadened um, and seeing that there is truly a need in this world that things are not handed to them easily in places like Madagascar, just as I had learned in Yemen, and that there are all different cultures out there that need Jesus just as much, and they are just as much a huge part of sharing the gospel as 
their daddy and I. And so mm-hmm. God has really blessed us with this opportunity and blessed our children with this opportunity that I think that as long as I fix my eyes on him, <laughs> I know that he is going to protect them mm-hmm. um, in whatever trials and tribulations and challenges that we face. So The other day, you know, we had a meeting with our faculty and staff and we gathered around you all and laid our hands on you and we prayed for you that God would keep you safe, that he would go before you, that he would dwell within you and that he would make you effective witnesses for the gospel. And we believe he will do that. You know, he's called you and equipped you. And I I admire your faith and your courage in taking this step. And I think you can be a blessing to others in doing so. Thank you. Now, um, you quoted, Elizabeth, uh, this wonderful verse from Hebrews chapter 12, which, as I'm sure you both know very well, (laughs) is the theme verse for Hodges Chapel here at Beeson because we have a great cloud of witnesses. That's right. (laughs) And looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that's the version. I grew up on. You yep. quoted it in a better, more modern version. <laughs> but the, the one who perfects our faith, who calls, he's the pioneer. That's another translation of that word. He's a pioneer. And so we're following him, but we, do, we don't follow him alone. We, we, we do so in the company of the people of God through the ages. And they're represented visually for us here at Hodges Chapel when we look up and see the, the dome and the great witnesses, the cloud of witnesses that surround us. As you all think about your calling and how you've been prepared for this, who are some people, I'm thinking now maybe of great missionaries of the past or missionary biographies you've read, some some witnesses that you think are encouraging you and maybe even going with you in some way as you take this journey of faith? Well, for me personally, as far as influences on me, growing up as a kid, you always, um, in Southern Baptist churches, we always had missionaries come and go. Um, but nothing, nothing really ever stuck with me until really honestly, I met Elizabeth's parents and, hmm. um, I got the chance, the opportunity to go to kind of a family reunion of all the people that worked in that area, uh, during the time that they were with the IMB. And it was the first time I had ever been really exposed to missionaries and there was something amazing about them i don't know how to put it into words it was almost like they had a spirit of peace and of clarity about them that i had never experienced in any person before and kind of reflecting on that it it kind of comes from i i assume it comes from having to actually live your life every day completely reliant on god for everything for your place in the world for the food that comes for your protection that they just had the spirit about them as if you know they were kind of glowing like those old pictures you would see when they put mm-hmm. the halo around the apostles it that's that's what they how they kind of influenced that's how their spirit impacted me and um, from that moment forward, I kind of knew that it it wasn't so much the people who were called, but the God who called you that made the difference on mm-hmm. the mission field. And it, it gave me kind of a peace that I didn't have to live up to any particular um, standard or I didn't have to do something special. I didn't have to be one of these titans of the faith that uh, we all kind of thought all the missionaries were when I was a kid, but rather I just had to be obedient and rely on God. And so as, as we've been preparing and stepping out in faith to try to, to make this, um, this calling a reality in our lives, it, it's been a reassurance to me that 
God is always going to be faithful, that God will always be there for us as we go, and that I don't have to be some Superman. I just have to say yes when he asks Mm -hmm. and when he opens a door to walk through it. Those people, just the normal everyday people that nobody's ever heard of or knows about, are the people that you know I look to as my kind of guide to um, how this is is going to be possible, how we're going to make a difference in the world. Mm, It's great. For me, growing up on the mission field, I got to meet and just know a lot of missionaries. And uh, one that comes to mind is Martha Myers, Dr. Martha Myers. Um, I called her Aunt Martha. Hmm. Um, She was a graduate of Sanford University. Yes, and I think they honored her in memoriam in the library. She was one of those that just, I think my middle brother, Mark, um, called her the Lottie Moon of her day. (laughs) She just went out and uh, disappeared for a few days out into the villages, gave medical care to pretty much anybody and everybody that needed it. And um, I think that that's what I would want to be able to do is just see the need and go, having faith that God was going to take care and do the work. Another one uh, was Ethne Stainer. Um, I called her Aunt Ethne, and she um, has recently passed away, but uh, she just had this beautiful, gentle spirit, a prayer warrior. Mm. And... um, thinking about prayer, that is the one thing that we need um, because we're going to be in a spiritual warfare um, on this mission field in Madagascar. And then I read a biography of uh, Lilius Trotter, um, Dr. Lyle Dorsett gave me this book right before we left and I read it and it took me about a day to read it because it was it was really good and she she just stepped out on faith and went to uh, North Africa with two other women and she ministered to the Muslim men which was pretty much unheard of during her time and uh, she had a church and they just set up a church and these men started coming and they started sharing the gospel and then she moved deeper into Africa um, into the uh, the desert and just kept moving the gospel forward and so um, I think those are the three people that come to my mind so very inspiring now I have a few more questions we're almost out of time but in, in case anyone would like to contact you I, I want you to give your contact information uh, you're in the process now of raising support and you would welcome hearing from people and, and receiving support for the mission that you believe God has called you to so would you Chris give your uh, contact information how they can reach your website well um if you go to clbaker, B-A-K-E-R, dot aimsites, dot org, that is our blog that um, has been put up by Africa Inland Mission for all their min- uh, missionaries. We get a, a page. And there you can find uh, information that we've uh, linked about Madagascar, about the city we're going to, the work we're going to be doing. And also there's a place on there if you want to become part of our support team, whether as a prayer partner or as um, a financial donor to our uh, ministry at, um, on a monthly basis or a one-time gift, you can also do it through there. And uh, if you sign up at the website, um, it will make sure you leave your email and your contact information. And then anytime that we post anything on our blog or anytime that we send out a prayer letter or we send out uh, you know, like an emergency prayer request to people, it will get to you. AIM is very good about making sure they get that stuff out and you'll be able to stay in constant contact with our ministry, not only only as we're getting ready for the field, but also as we are in Madagascar. So that's C L 
B-A-K-E-R-C-L Baker dot A-I-M-S-I-T-E-S dot O-R-G. That is correct. That will put you in touch with the Africa Inland Mission and Chris and Elizabeth's uh, mission to Madagascar. Now, I want to ask you just one or two more questions about Madagascar, and in particular, the Malagasy people that you have a burden for. Tell us, who are these Malagasy people, and how do you... uh, hope to work and witness with them? Well, the Malagasy people are kind of a mixture of Asian, Far Eastern, uh, African, and Arab uh, influences, um, and therefore their their basic cultural religion is kind of a mixture between ancestor worship and animism. And the place where we're going to be is the uh, most northern city in all of Madagascar. It's called Ansarana. And there's basically three main people groups there. You have the Marina tribe, the Sakalava tribe, and the Antikarna tribe. And the, the Marina um, are basically the people who have controlled the island for hundreds of years now. And they're mostly known as Christians. Um, they were the first to convert to Christianity through the work of the uh, London Mission Society back in the 1800s. And then you have the Sakalava, which are um, – they live in the outskirts of uh, the the area that we're going to be in. And uh, they are mostly animistic. But then we have the Antikarna, and those are the people that we've specifically – been called to go to, and they are known as the Muslim Malagasy. Um, and they have been kind of a, an endangered minority for a long time. They were uh, run off of the island to the local uh, smaller islands uh, by the Marina people when they basically conquered the entire island and therefore they live in animosity with the Marina, who are the Christian um, Malagasy and Something that happened in their past, they, when they were saved from the Marina, they promised to uh, worship Allah forever if they were they were set free from the, the oppression of the Marina. And once they left the island, the main island, to go to a smaller island, they, the Marina quit following them. And so they have pledged their uh, allegiance to Allah from now into eternity. So these are the people that we're going to be working with. And the, the area where we're going to be in is um, under... The amazing oppression of human trafficking, childhood exploitation, and the sex trade. Um, it's, it's a place that has become known as, as a harvesting country for, um, human beings, um, as a commodity, um, throughout the rest of the world. And, People come now from all over for what is known as sex tourism. They come to this area simply for the purpose of exploiting um, the women and, and in many cases, the young men of the area for uh, sexual purposes. So this is this is the kind of the hurt, the pain, the brokenness that we're going to be dealing with. The division between the two tribes and their kind of allegiance to, to two separate religious beliefs and needing that reconciliation before we can really make an impact in in the Antikarna um, to see that, you know, Christianity was not the, the oppression, that it was rather the people that they're dealing with, and then also the hurt and the pain that comes through this exploitation uh, to help them to see that, you know, they're worth more than what they've been told they are, that they are a child of God created in his image, and that they have worth that comes from simply who they are, not what um, they can be used for. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus says, Come unto me, all of you who are burdened. And that's a big word, burdened, weighed down, oppressed. There are lots of different kinds of oppression in our world today. But you're going to work among people who have a lot of burdens to bear. 
and want to call them to the Savior who promises to take away our burdens and to give us freedom and, and to give us hope and eternal life. Now, we're almost out of time. We're going to close with a word of prayer for you. I'm going to ask Kristen Padilla if she will lead this prayer for us in a moment. But would you like to say a final word of encouragement or prayer request as we bring this conversation to a close? Um, for me, I would just ask for prayer for for our family as we transition, um, in particular for the children, so that everything will just go smoothly for our team. Uh, we have the Johnson family who's joining us, as well as the Martin family, um, and they also have small children. So there's three families that are going to be going, and for our leader, Esther Park, who is already residing in Madagascar, preparing for us to come. And as a word of encouragement, I just I pray for for our supporters and for the people who um, are feeling a call to just do any kind of kingdom work to press on and just listen to Christ, listen to Jesus, and um, to follow his will, no matter how hard it seems, to step out onto those deep waters and, and allow Jesus to carry you. That's great. Chris? I would ask that there would be prayer for um, the people that we're going to go to, to prepare the way for us. We're going to be living uh, directly in and among the uh, Muslim people, and that we would pray that God would soften their hearts to allow us to um, build relationships, to be able to show them that we care, and that that door would be opened. And also, as a word of encouragement to anyone who um, might feel a calling into ministry um, to the foreign field, um, or even among refugees here in the United States, to a, to a foreign culture to them, even if it might be in the context of, of this country, God will provide you with everything you need. Um, if he's calling you to do what what it is that that you feel led to, but flesh out that calling, uh, reach out to people, step mm-hmm. out on faith, and and ask him to show you exactly what it is that you would do. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be some kind of amazing person. You just have to be obedient. Great, Kristen, would you please lead us in a prayer for our friends Elizabeth and Chris? Yes, please pray with me, Heavenly Father. Um, the one who did not um, withhold sending your own son um, to this earth uh, to reconcile us with you. Uh, we thank you that um, that you also call us um, to uh, imitate your son in, in our going and in, in our telling in bringing uh, sons and daughters to glory. And so we praise you and we thank you for your servants, uh, Chris and Elizabeth and their children. And we ask um, on their behalf that you would go before them, that you would prepare the ground and the hearts of the people, that you would provide for all of their needs, that you would raise up supporters and support, um, that you would offer protection over them and the families uh, that they will um, journey with to Madagascar. We pray for their children and their teammates' children, uh, that you would be working in their own hearts, um, bringing them to you and also using them for your glory. Um, we thank you for their uh, service to you, and we um, give them to you, and we lay them at your feet. In your name, amen.
My guests today on the Beeson Podcast have been Chris and Elizabeth Baker. They're a part of our Beeson family. They're in the final weeks of preparation for a mission to Madagascar with the Africa Inland Mission. If you'd like to contact them or become a part of their support team, you can do so by going to the website CL. Baker, C-L-B-A-K-E-R dot A-I-M-S-I-T-E-S dot O-R-G. Thank you for this wonderful conversation, Chris and Elizabeth. Thank Thank you. you. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.